0: Thank you, Junior Choir, for offering that beautiful anthem for our Lord. Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, It has been a while since up here preaching God's Word, but I'm glad I have the privilege to do so today to my brothers and sisters here at UECP. A blessed Sunday to all of you. Today, we will continue on our journey in the book of 2 Samuel. But first, let me tell you a personal story. You know, I remember when I was still a kid, my mom always told me not to play with electricity. More specifically, yung power outlet. Wag ko daw paglaruan, no? wag ko hawakan. But you know, during summer vacation, uh, in, back in the 90s, that's my, ano, that's panahon ko yun. There's only so much you can do during the summer vacation. Back then, there were no iPads. Tama ba? There were no cell phones to keep us distracted. And uh, we didn't have, during the time... Uh, my family didn't have um, cable tv as well so it was a time when a kids imagination and curiosity can run wild out of control so as a kid i um i wondered what will happen if you put a nail cuticle pusher in between the spaces of a power outlet then plug something in i mean nail pusher Yung mahaba, yung may dalawang blades magkabilang dulo. Diba? And then the outlet has two holes there. Paano ko nilagay mo yun sa gitna and then you plug something in. And so I was so curious. And then I found out that the result was a broken outlet, a broken appliance, but a still working but blackened nail pusher. Gumagana pa rin yung nail pusher kasi yun nga, bakal lang siya. When my mom got home, I immediately confessed. I said, I ko na I did something bad and I'm sorry. And then, since I confessed my disobedience, she told me that, no, she's not angry with me. But she still needs to punish my disobedience. And so... I learned that my little science experiment has one more result. Pula at namamagang tamay dahil sa palo. Brothers and sisters, there is a cost for disobedience. There's a cost for disobedience. That's a, that is one thing I learned when I was a kid. And actually, that is what the second half of 2 Samuel wants to teach God's people. That there is a cost. For disobedience, for every sin, there are consequences. For every sin, there are consequences. You know, we started our journey from 1 Samuel to 2 Samuel. We started looking at the life of the prophet Samuel and then King Saul and then the rise of David to the throne. And then last week, we talked about the start of his downfall when Pastor LJ talked about David's adultery and murder against the house of Uriah, one of his faithful soldiers. And then what follows after is a series of consequences that David faced because of his offenses. And you know this theme actually continued until the final chapter of Second Samuel, hanggang duluna libro, until chapter 24, where David committed another sin, and then again. David has to face the consequences. But wait. Maybe in your mind, isn't David the man after God's own heart? The one whom whom God Himself chose to lead His people? Won't such a man be exempted from facing the consequences of his sin? Will not God offer him mercy and forgiveness in spite of his offenses? Hindi man kaya lumusot, mo siya ni God. Well, let's see. If you have your Bibles with you, please open them with me to Second Samuel twenty-four. We'll be reading from verse one to seventeen. It will be flash on the screen, but the screen parehain sa mga online worshippers. So if you have your Bibles with you, I'd like you guys to open them. Even if you have your cell phone, I want you to read it from your own Bibles. Okay, Second Samuel twenty-four, verse one to seventeen. Again, the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, and he incited David against them, saying, Go, number Israel and Judah. So the king said to Joab, the commander of the army who was with him, Go through all the tribes of Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, and number the people, that I may know the number of the people. But Joab said to the king, May the Lord your God add to the people a hundred times as many as they are, while the eyes of my lord the king still see. But why does my lord the king delight in this thing? But the king's word prevailed against Joab and the commanders of the army. So Joab and the commanders of the army went out of the presence of the king to number the people of Israel. They crossed the Jordan and began from Arur, and from the city that is in the middle of the valley toward Gad and on to Jazer, then they came to Gilead and to Kadesh in the land of the Hittites. And they came to Dan and from Dan they went, from, um, they went around to Sidon and came to the fortress of Tyre and to all the cities of the Hevites and the Canaanites. And they went out to Negeb of Judah at Beersheba. So when they had gone through all the land, they came to Jerusalem at the end of nine months and twenty days. And Joab gave the sum of the numbering of the people to the king. In Israel, there were 800,000 valiant men who drew the sword, and the men of Judah were 500,000. But David's heart struck him after he had numbered the people. And David said to the Lord, I have sinned greatly in what I have done. But now, O Lord, please take away the iniquity of your servant, for I have done the For I have done very foolishly. And when David arose in the morning, the word of the Lord came to the prophet God, David's ear, saying, Go and say to David, Thus says the Lord, three things I offer you. Choose one of them, that I may do it to you. So God came to David and told him and said to him, Shall three years of famine come to you in your land? Or will you flee three months before your foes while they pursue you? or shall there be three days' pestilence in your land? Now consider and decide what answer I shall return to him who sent me. Then David said to Gad, I am in great distress. Let us fall into the hand of the Lord, for his mercy is great. But let me not fall into the hand of man. Verse 15. So the Lord sent a pestilence on Israel, From the morning until the appointed time, and there died of the people from Dan to Beersheba 70,000 men. And when the angel stretched out his hand toward Jerusalem to destroy it, the Lord relented from the calamity and said to the angel who was working destruction among the people, It is enough. Now stay your hand. And the angel of the Lord was by the threshing floor of Araunah, the Jebusite, Then David spoke to the Lord when he saw the angel who was striking the people and said, Behold, I have sinned and I have done wickedly. But these sheep, what have they done? Please let your hand be against me and against my father's house. 2 Samuel 24, verse 1 to 17. You know, the beginning of chapter 24 tells us how David once again sinned against God. What was his sin? He was incited by God to make a census all over the land to number all the fighting men of Israel. Two issues automatically arise from this. Number one, how is David liable to this sin when God was the one who incited him to do it? And second, what is wrong with making a census of fighting man in Israel? You know, our passage does not offer direct answers or explanation for these questions, but other passage in the Old Testament does. So let me answer the second question first. What is wrong with doing a census all over the land? What's wrong It's harmless, Tamaba. Right? Because there seems to be nothing wrong with that. It just makes good sense to know the strength of your army. But the Mosaic law, recorded in Exodus chapter 30, verse 12, says, When you take the census of the people of Israel, then each shall give you a ransom for his life to the Lord when you number them, that there be no plague among them when you number them. So as you can see here, there is a punishment that God has assigned When their king makes a census, so this clearly tells us that God is not pleased with a census. It doesn't say why, but probably because it seems that one is trusting in military strength rather than on God when one makes a census. Kung binilang mo alam fighting man, mo parang you're saying, "Ah, ang lakas lakas ng army namin," instead of trusting in God, saying, "Ah, malakas God ko." I think that is what is wrong with that. That is why Joab, one of David's commanders, questioned David's orders. He definitely knew that it was unnecessary and displeasing in the eyes of God. And yet, David still proceeded with the census. And that's why he carries that guilt. And now for the first question. How is David liable to this sin when he was only incited by God? See si God, si God was the one who incited David to do this. Does this mean that God causes people to sin to sin? The simple answer is no. God does not cause people to sin, but God, in His sovereignty, does allow people to be tempted by the enemy to sin. And that is why in First Chronicles chapter 21, which is a parallel story. Hindi gumagalaw yung slide. Okay? A parallel story of this uh, 2 Samuel 24, it says, Then Satan stood against Israel and incited David to number Israel. The chronicler actually says it was Satan. So, sino ba talaga? Again, this, I believe this is similar to how God allowed Satan to tempt Job and curse God. Diba? si God was the one who told Satan to test Job. See if he will disown me. I believe this is the same case here. The only difference was that Job did not fall to the temptation of Satan, but David did. And therefore, David was guilty of the sin. And now that we have both these issues out of the way, we can now concentrate on the real issue at hand, the consequences of David's action. What were the consequences of David's disobedience and who were the ones affected by them? You know, these are, the very, these are very important things to understand because many Christians have this tendency to downplay their sin. Ah, okay lang yan. Wala naman yang effect sa akin. If we forgive naman ako ni Lord eh. You know, they believe that since God offers forgiveness, then there is no danger in sinning anymore. But brothers and sisters, let me remind us that nothing can be more wrong and dangerous than thinking this way. Because as I have mentioned earlier, can you read it with me? For every sin, there are consequences. For every sin, there are consequences. Now before we move forward in our passage, let us backtrack a bit. Let us first look at the consequences that David faced because of his adultery with Bathsheba and the murder of Uriah. No, going back to chapter eleven, with what Pastor L J talked about last week, we see actually the first consequences of sin. What is it? it? Is that when we sin, we tend to sin more. Oi, nakalusot ako. Baka pwede ulit. You know, in the back of our heads, sometimes yun yun natin when we sin. Nakalusot ako ngayon. Isa pa. It is seldom just one sin. And you're done. No. Usually, sin stacks up. Just like David, it started with idleness. Then, it led to adultery. And then, it led to covering up, him covering it up by lying. And finally, it ended in the murder of Uriah. And this is not the first time we see sin stacking up. We see this also in the very beginning of creation, back in Genesis pa lang, di ba? It started with a bite. Sarap ng apple. hindi pala apple. Whatever that fruit is. And then, it led to murder. And then a full-scale rebellion in Babel. So as you can see, the first consequence of sin is that it traps us to sin more. So before you take that first step to sinning, to thinking, thinking that that is just isang sin lang naman eh. Think again. It is seldom just one sin. When you sin, let me tell you, you are surely biting off more than you can chew. This is usually the natural consequence of disobeying God. You'll disobey Him more. And then going to chapter 12, when the prophet Nathan rebuked David of his sin, even after David relented of his sin, we see another consequence for his actions. And that is the death of the baby that was born of their adultery. That baby died. That baby died. Even when David fasted and pleaded for his infant's life. In 2 Samuel, we'll see it in 12 verse 15 to 16. It says, And the Lord afflicted the child that that Uriah's wife bore to David, and he became sick. David therefore sought God on behalf of the child, and David fasted and went in and lay all night on the ground. He pleaded to God. And yet on the seventh day, the child died. I just have a new baby, and I cannot even imagine... If my baby died. Kahit ilang days pa lang siya. Can you face that? As you can see, for every sin that for every sin there are consequences. You know, sin might bring momentary bliss. We all know that. But we should also know that with it surely comes excessive grief. But that uh, that's not all. Hindi pa yun yung katapusan ng mga consequences ni David. David's sin caused more trouble in his family. In chapter 13, no, we find out that one of David's sons, Amnon, matanda na to, hindi na to baby, became infatuated with his half-sister Tamar. And you know what happened? Amnon ended up raping her. Amnon raped her own sister. And then Absalom, the brother of Tamar, also one of uh, of the sons of David, of course, exacted revenge against Amnon for violating his sister. And so what happened? Absalom killed his half-brother. Sobrang tragic. Having your sons kill each other. But again, this was a consequence of David's sin. But again, di patapos. In chapter 15, when Absalom returned and served the kingdom for a few years, he drew the support of the people and decided to rebel against his father. He staged a coup and tried to kill his own father to take the throne from him. And so once again, David was on the run, just like when he just like Saul. But now he was being hunted by his own son. Back then, when he was being haunted by Saul, he was innocent. But now, he's not. And this was a loose lose situation for him. If David loses, then he was dead. If he wins, what happens? His son dies. And true enough, Absalom was killed and David mourned greatly for his son. If you know how broken-hearted David was, look at your Bibles in chapter 19, 2 Samuel chapter 19. Read it and you will see how broken a man David was because of this. This was probably one of the saddest moments in David's life. Not something that you would expect to happen from God's chosen king and the man after God's own heart. Would you expect that happening to someone like David? But it did. And it's all because of his sins. Now you might think, are we sure that these are really the consequences of David's sin? Maybe coincidence lang yan. But you see, going back to 2 Samuel chapter 12, it says, uh, The Lord said to David, Now therefore, ito yung consequence actually nung, nung nung sin niya. Now therefore, the sword shall never depart from your house because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will raise up evil against you out of your own house and I will take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor and he shall lie with your wives in the sight of this son. For you did it secretly. But I will do this before all Israel and before the sun. You see, brothers and sisters, even if David was the man after God's own heart, he was not exempted from facing the consequences of his sin. And this should also come as a warning to us. Just because, you know, just because we are the children of God, it doesn't mean that we will be saved from the consequences of our sin. For every sin, there are consequences. And we all have to face the consequences of our sin. And as the sin compounds, which it usually does, the greater the consequences are as well. And as we see what David's sin caused him uh, and his family, we must also understand that our sins has consequences in our lives, and that includes our family. Yes, it will affect us and our family. How do we know this to be true today? Look at how many broken families are there in our society. Look at how many children have separated parents. Look at how many children are left abandoned and orphaned. You don't know anyone? Wala Go talk to some of our students at Hope Christian High School. You will see how many families were broken because of infidelity. How many homes has become dysfunctional because of sin? You know, you don't need to look far. And I'm sure we have some of us here at church who have suffered or or are suffering the consequences of that particular sin in their lives, in their family. UECP, let us not forget the danger of disobedience against the Lord. For every sin... There are consequences. And the consequences of our sins affects not only us, but also our family. Now my question to you, are you willing to put them at risk? Are you willing to put your family at risk? I hope not. Now let's go back to today's passage and look at the consequences of David's census in Israel. As I mentioned earlier, the problem with David's census of fighting man in Israel is that it showed dependence on one's military strength and a lack of trust in the Lord as Israel's divine warrior and protector. And David realized his mistake, in fairness to David. He realized immediately after the census was done. Verse, tells, verse 10 tells us that David's heart struck him. Na-guil, na-guil, uh, siya, no? Then he confessed his sin before the Lord and he pleaded for forgiveness even before the punishment came. The next day, again, God sent His prophet, whose name is God. By the way, please don't f- confuse the prophet God to God. That's just, uh, oh yeah. they just sound the same, but no. And the Lord, g- the Lord gave David three options for his punishment. Either three years of famine in Israel, or three months, David will be hunted by his enemies, or... Three days of pestilence in the land. As we can see here, even when David repented of his sin, he still has to face its consequences. And here, God told him to choose the punishment. And suddenly David, "Lord, I leave it up to you." And verse 15 tells us the consequence of David's sin. It says. So the Lord sent a pestilence on Israel from the morning until the appointed time and there died of the people from Dan to Beersheba 70,000 men. God took away more than half than the amount of all the fighting men of Israel. 130,000 young fighting men, kinuwa ni God 70,000. Imagine that. What can we learn here? We learn that the consequences of our sin can also affect other people, people that we don't know, people that we don't care, probably doesn't care about, probably don't care about. It is not restricted in our lives and in our families, but also the people near and far. And we should not be surprised by this. You know, this has happened so many times before through the many wars that has happened in history, especially the two world wars. Because of the hunger for power of some people, who suffers the innocent, the mga walang kinalaman, and we see this happening in our world again right now, as the conflict between Russia and Ukraine carries on, many civilians are dying. Many have been driven away from their homes, living as refugees in the neighboring countries. And kahit tayo here in the Philippines. We can feel the effect of his war. Ano know yare? Just last week, when you pass by the Shell Petron, magkano yung mga gas prices? Grabe, all-time high. And the same thing is happening all over the world. And all of us react in social media, complaining, "Grabe, how inconvenient this is for us." And we forget that the one who will actually suffer are those living in poverty. Bakit? Kung tumaas yung price ng gas, lahat ng presyo, tataas. And those living below the poverty line, sa kanila, it's a matter of life and death. Minor inconvenience lang sa atin. Nakapag-drive pa nga tayo papunta dito. Eh. Na-traffic pa nga tayo ng Meralco. Tama ba? But some don't have food to put on their table because of this. As we can see, for every sin, there are consequences. And these consequences will affect our lives and other people's lives, whether our family, our neighbor, our countryman, or the whole mankind. And don't think for one minute that as people of God, we are exempted from these consequences because we are not. And other people can also suffer from the consequences of our sin, even the innocent. So, mga kapatid Let us take our sin seriously. Let us not downplay the effect of sin in our lives because it is no laughing matter. For every sin, there are consequences. May we be aware of this truth as we do our assignments at school and as we conduct our businesses. May we be aware of the destruction that our sins bring as we look at videos and pictures in our own phones and laptops. And as we chat or talk to the people we are attracted to we must remember the trap that sin puts us in every time we are tempted to lie or to deal unfairly with others before you let sin overcome you look at your neighbor come do it now look at your seatmates alam ko medyo awkward but try to do it Look at your family, look at your parents, look at your children, look at your spouse, look at the poor and the weary outside, look at yourself in the mirror later on. Will you be willing to put these people in harm's way? Because the consequences of our sins may harm them one way or another. Are you willing to take that risk? Because for every sin, there are consequences. May we always keep that warning in mind. For every sin, there are consequences. Brothers and sisters, this is the sad reality of our fallenness. And knowing that we are sinful in nature, everyone tayo sinful in nature, Tamaba. Right? We try to be good and yet many times we still fall to sin. It seems that we are trapped in a vicious and depressing cycle of sin and then consequence sin and then consequence sin and then destruction. But you know, by the grace of God, the story does not end here. Because in the midst of the consequences of sin, shines the great mercy of our Lord. Ang ganda nung kanda di ba? Our sins... Maybe many, but His mercy is more. Here's how we see God's mercy. In verse 16, look at your Bible. It said, When the angel stretched out his hand toward Jerusalem to destroy it, the Lord relented from the calamity and said to the angel who was working destruction among the people, It is enough. Now stay your hand. And the angel of the Lord was by the threshing floor of Araunah the Jebusite. What we see here is the Lord and His great mercy. In His great mercy, he decided to limit the deserved punishment against David and his people. And David, in turn, confessed sin before the Lord once again and offered to take all the punishment to himself and his family rather than the people. An appropriate act to one to the, for the one who is guilty of the sin. This is what actually separates David from Saul. You know, when Saul told niya, forgive me, please do not destroy me. Okay? This is what makes David more fitting to be king of Israel than Saul because unlike Saul, he's only concerned for himself and his family. David was willing to own up to his mistake and willing to take the responsibility of the consequences to himself and even his family. But, do not mistake thinking that it was David's repentant heart that made God... Relent from the calamity. For it was God who acted first. He already showed mercy towards David and Israel, even before David responded in repentance. David's repentant heart was only a response to the mercy that God has first shown him and his people. It was not because of David that the calamity stopped. No. Nidal kay David. Why? Why did the calamity stop? It is because of God's faithfulness to His covenant with David. You know, if you compare it, the offenses of Saul when God rejected him were relatively less severe as you compare it to David's, uh, what David committed. Ano ni Saul? Nag-offer siya ng sacrifices na hindi dapat para sa kanya? Nag-iwan lang siya ng mga other people He didn't kill them? And si David? David murdered and adultery. I don't want to compare sin, they're all bad. But if you want to compare it, parang mas David Tamaba. And yet God did not reject David. This is not because of David, but because of the promise he gave God the Lord gave to David. In 2nd Samuel 4, uh, in 2nd Samuel 7 verse 14 to 17, ito yung promise ni God sa kanya. I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. When he commits iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod of man, with the stripes of the sons of man. But my steadfast love will not depart from him, as I took it from Saul, whom I put away from before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. You see, brothers and sisters, for every sin there are, Consequences, but for God's people, there are no condemnation. For every sin, there are, con- uh, there are consequences, but for God's people, there are no condemnation. Yes, as children of God, we are not exempted from the consequences of our sins, but rest assured that these consequences become God's loving discipline for the people He considers His children. And in the end, just as any parent disciplines their children— Sahole, we still forgive them, Tamaba. We still hug them. We still tell them we love them, kahit na, na natin sila. Because if you are a parent to your children, when you're disciplining them, you punish them and yet you forgive them. And the author of Hebrews and New Testament teaches us the same thing. In Hebrews 12 verse five to six it says, "My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by Him, for the Lord disciplines the one He loves and chastises every son whom He receives." And now is it possible to become sons and daughters of God? How did we become sons of daughters of God? It was made possible by the one who took the consequences of our sins to himself. Just like David, who asked God to spare the people and punish him instead, Jesus, our Lord, himself took the punishment of our sins. But unlike David, see David guilty of the sin. But our Lord Jesus was without sin. And yet he paid for the ultimate penalty of our sins. He died on the cross for it. And that is why that for all those who believe in him, he can offer God's divine pardon. And when Jesus offers God's divine pardon, it means we are still liable to the temporary consequences of our sins. But the good news is, we are no longer condemned to the ultimate penalty of sin which is eternal death brothers and sisters if you will forget everything i shared today remember this can you read it with me for every sin there are consequences but for those in christ there is no condemnation that is the hope that we should live by even though we are still trapped in our simple bodies prone to disobey god and subjected to the consequences of sin. We do not live in despair. We live with hope because we know that our sins are ultimately forgiven and our suffering from our sins are only momentary. The consequences, the discipline of God will end and God's love and forgiveness will prevail and will completely transform us. But again, they should not give us the license to sin. No, we still must fear the destructive power of sin in our lives and in others. Therefore, we must always practice repentance. When you sin, you repent. And this should teach us to remind and remind us to rely not on our own willpower, but on the power of God, or the power of the Spirit, so that we can live righteous lives that are pleasing to God. Let us remember that for every sin there are consequences, but for those in Christ, there is no condemnation. But I hope we will not take this for granted. Because, you know, this forgiveness did not come cheap. For today, ano entitled title of today? The Cost of Disobedience. Next week, we'll continue by learning the cost of forgiveness. Yes, if there, are, there is a cost for disobedience, there is also a cost for forgiveness. And that will be for next Sunday. I started with a personal story. Now let me end with a personal testimony. Something that I haven't shared before to all of you yet. Many of you know that my mom died of cancer. I have shared her story to you before, tamaba. if you guys remember. How she contracted cervical cancer, and then by God's mercy she was healed. And during her remission, she came to know and entrusted her life to Jesus. Before succumbing again to cancer, and then was escorted home by our Lord. Learning you na to sa akin before. But what I haven't shared was how I think she probably contracted that cancer. I haven't told you before, I haven't told you that before she contracted cervical cancer, my mom had an affair with a married man. She was already a widow back then. She had an affair with a married man. A married man whose wife also had cancer. She really regretted, regretted what she did in fact according to my sister who knew about it during that time told me that my mom actually cried so many times because of that i never knew that it was happening while it was happening she never told me but what i know is that her fight with cancer was really tough and it brought so much pain and despair in her life. It was really awful. But then she met Jesus. She met Jesus. And from that point on, her life was renewed. In fact, I was looking at the, I was keeping our photos, and then I I saw this picture of her being baptized here. Landong pa si Pastor LJ at Pastor Pastor Wiljo, And that's one of her happiest moments in her life. She met Jesus and from that point on, her life was renewed. She no longer dwelt with her past mistake. No longer running after the embrace of a man. But lavished herself on the love of God for her. In fact, I still have her notebook at home. And in that notebook, were Handwritten Bible verses, mga iba printed, and then nakastik don and some of her reflections. And when I read it, I cry all the time because of what God has done in her life. You see, even when her cancer came back to ravage her body, her spirit was not taken down because she knew she was forgiven. She knew she was cured, and she knew where she was going home to. And she knew that we will see each other again. Brothers and sisters in Christ, I hope that we will heed God's God's warning for us today. Let us not take our sin lightly, but we should not live as one without hope. For indeed, can you read it all together with me? For every sin, there are consequences, but for those in Christ, there is no condemnation. Let us pray. Father, we give thanks because we have a God like you. A God who never lets sin go unpunished. And yet, you're also the God who offers forgiveness for those who repent and trust in your Son, Jesus. Father, we pray that you will remind us every day the danger of sinning that it will not cost us nothing. It might cost us our lives, our families' lives, and even other people. Help us, Lord, therefore, to have the power through the Holy Spirit to run away from sin and help us to live in hope knowing that there is no more condemnation in Jesus. We thank you for your Son, We thank you for the power that frees us from the penalty of sin. And we thank you for the power to run away from sin. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and Amen.